0: I'm not a doctor, (音楽) I'm not a doctor, 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 I'm not Have you seen uh, Danger Diabolic?
1: No, I haven't.
0: It's pretty great, but there's a song in there that kind of reminds me of that, but I think it's just like, he has like an underground, like underwater lair, and he's just like, deeper and deeper, like some like goofy Italian pop song.
1: That's like a Mario Bava spy thriller, right?
0: Yeah, I think it's based off like comic books, but it's pretty cool. Like he has like a skull, like. Gimbal outfit that he wears When he commits crimes Which I really like
1: That's cool I know that it was on Mystery Science Theater At one point Yeah Uh, I've only
0: seen it without The Mystery Science Theater Yeah I feel like it's one of those films That they show Where the movie's actually good But it's still funny Even when they make fun of it Yeah Um, Have you seen The Killer Shrews?
1: I have not I saw that on your letterbox
0: Yeah I really enjoyed it The monsters are literally dogs With like Carpet And like stuff like attached to them. Uh, <laughs> and it's pretty good.
1: Have you seen uh Teenagers from Outer Space?
0: I think I've started the Mystery Science Theater version of it before, but I've never watched all of it.
1: Um I went to they had I guess it was probably like ten years ago, which is a thing that old people like me say. Yeah. <laughs> um I they had at the uh Preston Movie Theater they had uh, during Halloween season. They were doing like double features of films, uh, like every Friday or some. Actually, I think it was a weekday. I don't remember what it was, but
0: right.
1: I went to a, a double feature of Teenagers for uh, Teenagers from Outer Space, and I don't remember what the other one was. But I just recall being just cackling the whole way through Teenagers from Outer Space. It's. Yeah. Uh, 50s weirdness with uh, aliens running around turning people into skeletons and there's a giant lobster monster oh. that is that has to be seen to be believed.
0: We'll have to definitely watch that soon. That uh, sounds beautiful. I
1: think even without the Mystery Science Theater I uh, had a good chuckle to myself.
0: Yeah, I've been wanting to watch uh, Mac and Me without their commentary. Cause, <laughs> oh yeah. Man, what a strange movie.
1: Yeah, I was... Taken aback by that film
0: <laughs> It's baffling Every choice they make is bizarre um, I don't know How we start this episode we, Well you were we, talking
1: we, about starting with the
0: The quotes We quotes. talk about how it's the 20th episode
1: I'm probably going to include something that was said in the last five minutes Or so <laughs>
0: Record just a montage of me Coughing like the beginning of Sweet Leaf
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh man That's, that's excellent <laughs> Yeah That's one of the best riffs too
0: Yeah What a good fine riff
1: Well this is a very special episode for us
0: Yeah It is a special episode Why is it special? Because I'm looking in a book
1: Um, (laughs) Because this is the episode where we get to celebrate Jeremy's uh, literacy
0: Yeah I've learned to read Um, (laughs) Reading is a hoot (laughs) Uh, There was a bookmark uh, that they were passing around during like freshman year in high school for me, and that was two thousand one. So when the first Lord of the Rings came out, and it was Elijah Wood as Frodo, just like reading a book, and it said, "Reading, make it a Hobbit." <laughs> um, have you seen uh,
1: Enigma? A E N I G M A. The uh, Fulci late eighties.
0: No, is so, um, is Elijah Wood in it? No. Okay.
1: But um, it's one of those movies where it was shot in Italy, but they wanted to make it look like America. So in order to do that, what they do is they hang up a bunch of posters. And they're in that film, and I feel like there's a lot of other Italian films of the era that's trying to do that, that have this thing. But like in that film specifically, there's a bunch of like, Weird uh school type posters like your reading is fun type stuff. Like yeah. I think there might have been like a Garfield poster with like read on it or something <laughs> like that in the film. There's a lot of that in their little uh dorm rooms in this girl's school that they're at and okay. that.
0: That sounds great. Uh
1: it's it's fun. I liked it better than uh Demonia.
0: I fell asleep during demonia, so Demonia
1: had good parts but it's like you could tell that Fulci's uh losing his budget because there's like only a few good parts whereas mm. like his earlier films were a bunch of good parts.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes sense because that was what the late 80s or early 90s.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think Demonia's late 80s and I think or no, I think Demonia might be 90 and then uh Enigma's like late 80s. So there's there's more to Enigma. It's more dense with good parts.
0: That's how an enigma should be.
1: But, uh, less dense than his earlier films, but really none of them match up to the devil's honey.
0: Oh no. The devil's honey is a treat. It's, it's a visual feast. I, I feel like it's got enough sex. We could talk about it.
1: Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, we might as well. Yeah. Who cares? F-
0: people love the horror <laughs> episodes. If they get a you no know, director, they know they, they latch on at least to the posts. Yeah. Um, uh, Except for all those Carlos Tubalina fans who are listening to Pulsating Flesh, apparently.
1: <laughs> this is actually contextual to the podcast itself. Um, for some reason, our Devil and Miss Jones episode is the least played episode, and that is uh, disappointing to me. It's weird because like some of our episodes do really well, some of them do less well. But I thought for sure that, like, if somebody was looking at our podcast feed, that maybe The Devil and Miss Jones would have peaked out more than Pulsating Flesh. Yeah. Like, obviously, the first episode's going to have the best ratings. That makes sense. Yeah. And then, like, as we go on later and later, it seems like our episodes are doing better and better. But, like, I guess The Devil and Miss Jones came out in the midpoint. But I'm just totally puzzled why it has less plays than pulsating flesh if you're
0: listening to this and haven't played it please go play it's, it's it it's one so, of our best episodes so boss can get some rest is <laughs> <laughs> there's so many dark circles under his eyes from all the sleepless <laughs> nights he thinks about how no one wants to talk about the devil and miss jones it's
1: just it's it's puzzling <laughs> to me because like i don't see why and like even beyond the film itself like i feel like our banter in that episode that was one of our best episodes
0: yeah, I was going we off. We talk
1: about you uh, working at Rena Center. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's beautiful. But, uh, so I'm literate now. And it's our 20th episode. The things coincided pretty well.
1: Oh, yeah. I feel like we were going to mention that. I mentioned it was a special episode, but I never told why.
0: No, you got off on a Fulci tangent.
1: I, I love Fulci, though.
0: I know you do, buddy. And we
1: took it around to uh, The Devil's Honey, which is one of just a handful of films I've given five stars on Letterboxd.
0: It's fair. I could see that.
1: Like, I just... And it's certified five stars, which is to say that I've watched it and gave it five stars, and then I watched it a second time and and also gave it five stars.
0: Yeah, why wouldn't you? It's perfect.
1: There's only two movies since I've been keeping a letterbox that I've given five stars to twice. And granted, they're the only two... Well, they're two of the three five-star movies that I watched twice. That would be... uh, the devil's honey
0: uh-huh.
1: and uh, doctor sleep, which I loved.
0: I have not seen doctor sleep yet. Uh, I just made one. Cause you told me to make one. And the only five star movie I have is the wicker man. Uh, the Nick, I still haven't the, watched it. I the need Nick to watch cage it. Remake, of course. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> no. I definitely
1: haven't seen that one. Yeah,
0: uh, it's bad. Uh, it feels like Nick cage just kind of stumbles through the whole thing. in like a stoned haze, like, He's in the movie, but not of the movie
1: <laughs> Have you, speaking of Nick Cage, have you seen Mandy?
0: No, but I've seen Color Out of Space
1: Color Out of Space, did you like that?
0: Uh, yes, it was excellent it Yeah, was really I loved goofy. it
1: I, I gave it four and a half
0: There you go Four and a half is, uh, that's fighting words <laughs> This is our Letterboxd podcast, welcome once again
1: What, 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 how did, okay So
0: I don't know, how many beers have you had?
1: Uh, I'm on 3
0: You can't hold your beer You've completely lost the plot we got to talk about the 20th episode
1: I, I'm still trying to figure out What, what your contention with my 4.5 star rating On The Color Out of Spaces
0: Oh, nothing That's oh, just, okay. you know 4.5 is really strong feelings So it's fighting words
1: Oh, okay, that's yeah, fair
0: They aren't literal fighting words <laughs> But they might occur if someone really hates it
1: So speaking of really good movies We have a really good movie to talk about today um welcome to the raincoat report this is boss with jeremy
0: i think we said that like 20 minutes ago i'm pretty
1: sure we didn't do it
0: okay great well hello uh
1: we're 12 minutes into recording i imagine it'll only be like five minutes because we're going to cut a lot of that out but Mm. some of that was worth saving um Uh, But this week we have the uh, honor of talking about perhaps the single most important adult film of all time. Um, Pirates. Pirates, yes. Uh, (laughs) Uh, We are talking about Gerard Damiano's uh, debut hardcore flick, Deep Throat. Uh, Deeper than deep, your throat... Yeah.
0: Yes. That's kind of on tune.
1: Deep throat,
0: deeper, deeper than deep, deep your throat. throat. Yeah. Um, excellent soundtrack. <laughs> it's, on, it's on pretty much all streaming platforms. Even if you don't check out the movie, at least check out the soundtrack.
1: Yeah, it's an excellent soundtrack. <clears throat> there's a lot of excellent things to talk about this film. Let's just dive into it and talk a little bit. So okay. uh, there's a lot of... Uh, There's a lot of controversy around this film. There's a lot of importance to history. A little bit atypically than usual. Um, We're going to talk a bit about the movie beforehand as far as its background and stuff. And then afterwards, we're going to talk more about its impact and get more into some academic stuff before we give our review. Um, But there's a lot of controversy and aftermath of the film we need to talk about. But I feel like it's better to talk about the film Before we start digging up all that stuff.
0: That's fair. I didn't agree to these changes, but I'm here, so I'm just going to get dragged along. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think beforehand I got a little... I got a book boss got me for my past birthday here uh, called The Other Hollywood, The Uncensored Oral History of the Porn Film Industry by uh, Legs McNeil and Jennifer Osborne with a third person's name uh, that I'm not going to (laughs) say.
1: You really took a stand against that third author.
0: They're name is so small they barely count. Legs McNeil did a uh, punk magazine in the 70s which like popularized like the Talking Heads and Blondie and the Ramones and was real influential to the New York punk scene so okay. that's It's pretty cool uh, learning that, but he wrote this great book of basically just interview quotes uh with tons of people. So we're going to show just how like wide-ranging the uh influence of this film was, who saw it, and how many times they saw it, and so forth. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that after I clear my throat. <clears> Hello, <throat> oh, I'm back again. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is uh, Gerard Damiano talking about the film. He said, when we finish that film, the Perrinos, who are the uh, mafia family that kind of financed the whole thing that we'll get into... Uh, the Perrinos objected to the title. No one will understand it. It's not catchy enough. Uh, Don't worry, I told them. Deep throat will become a household word. Deep throat. I think history has proven him right. Very prescient, that yes. quote. Uh, let's talk about who came to see it. So we'll hear the words of uh, Harry Reams. I'm reading from the book of The Teacher. this is basically the gospel i'm transcribing it from one book to the other but the the voice of harry reams speaks they all came mike nichols and truman capote ed mcmahon johnny Carson's sidekick came with six guys in a case of beer and (laughs) stood out front afterward trying to get passerby to come in (laughs) Um, that makes me
1: respect ed mcmahon a lot more (laughs) i mean not that i had a problem with him but as far as like a
0: I love that he was just trying to hustle it on the street. He's like, have you seen this girl suck a dick?
1: I like that he brought a case of beer with him. Yeah, of
0: course. (laughs) And I used to get, when the Baxter was doing midnight shows, I would always sneak alcohol in and black out about halfway through (laughs) the room.
1: Uh, I I went to see Tron, the original, and I hadn't seen Tron before. So I was like, this will be cool. Like, even if it kind of sucks, I'll enjoy it, I think seeing it on the big screen right. and everything. I fell asleep like four minutes into that movie. Yeah, it's I a, have no
0: memory of Tron. It's a snoozer. And Back to Harry Reams' words.
1: So saith the teacher.
0: So saith the teacher. Even former Vice President Spiro Agnew had a private screening at Frank Sinatra's place in Palm <laughs> Springs. So you're talking like the cream of like 70s society, like politically... Like, literature-wise, music-wise, like that Rat Pack scene. Speaking of the Rat Pack, we got Sammy Davis Jr.'s uh, words here. Deep Throat had just been released and was playing at the Pussycat Theater in Santa Monica. People were talking about it. They wanted to see it. But the Pussycat was not a place you went to. And a porn film like Deep Throat was not something you could order from the studios. I told my wife, AltaVis, <laughs> uh, let's rent the pussycat for a few hours one night, have it cleaned up, keep the popcorn stand open, and invite all these straight people here to go see Deep Throat. It would be marvelously decadent to have them sitting there, seeing the big thing on the screen, and then taking them to the bistro for a f- foie gras.
1: F- fo- foie I gras? It,
0: I said it right in my head before I tried to pronounce it. That you, you were close. Foie gras. For a foie, foie gras. Foie? and chateau margot kind of supper i don't speak french okay I, I i'm not sammy no, I, davis jr
1: <laughs> sammy davis jr was way classier than either of us
0: yeah and he joined the satanic temple
1: that's pretty cool
0: yeah pretty dope wasn't he church. jewish yeah he bounced around a lot he was jewish then he's a satanist and finally he was a uh, he followed the teacher Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we invited Suzanne Plachet and Tommy Gallagher, the Burls, Dick and Dolly Martin, Stephen Eady, Shirley McLean. I'm sure those names all mean something to somebody. Uh, people who would never go to the Pussycat. I took them over in limos, which was safer than leaving your expensive paint job parked in that neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> I like that all these
1: famous people got together to go to the fucking grindhouse theater to see Deep Throat together.
0: And they had like Sammy Davis like paid to get like the carpets like the come clean stain cleaned out of the out of the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> the steam cleaned out of there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's that's one of the things that makes me worried about us investing in a porn theater together is yeah. all that steam cleaning. Uh,
0: the bills are going to be astronomical.
1: Yeah, even if we get our steam cleaner and invest ahead of time, uh, I feel like just the energy use and the the uh, water and cleaning uh, liquid involved in that it's going to be a lot.
0: Yeah, we'll uh, don't come
1: on my floor. That's what I'm telling the audience now.
0: We'll put a little like pre-show. Uh, thing up where you just or we
1: have an animated uh just an animated sperm sperm version around or, yeah screen. sperm
0: just saying you know don't come on the floor <laughs> you know just singing a little ditty
1: don't come on the floor don't come on the floor don't come on the floor or your feet'll stick
0: <laughs> yeah you know something like that so yeah this movie was popular with the movers <laughs> and shakers for sure i don't have a quote on it from this particular book but uh the Alice Cooper band, after they got their private jet, would apparently just watch this movie on repeat while they just flew here and there to uh, thrill and chill your children. Yes. Uh, they
1: were going the, to feed their Frankenstein. Yeah,
0: they were off to feed their Frankenstein. They they wanted Linda Lovelace to feed their Frankenstein.
1: Oh, yeah, of course.
0: Or they wanted to feed her their Frankenstein. What do you think? <laughs>
1: uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about the uh, background of Deep Throat and its uh, its effect on society. Uh, like I said, we're going to go deeper than deep uh, on uh, on uh, the impact of Deep Throat at the end of this episode. But to give just a little context of you know what Jeremy was saying, Deep Throat was the film that started the porno chic movement, the golden age of hardcore films. I think that in prior episodes, we've brought up Deep Throat several times, and uh, I I gave it like mixed praise, I would say. Uh, I talked about how important it was as a landmark in porn history, but I feel like I downplayed it as not that great of a film. You know, I, I, on our Devil and Miss Jones episode, which uh, nobody's listened to. Uh, yeah.
0: You're <laughs> apologizing for something no one has heard.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I talked about how The Devil and Miss Jones is where like J- Damiano really stood out as a filmmaker versus Deep Throat, and while to a certain extent there's some validity to that, like The Devil and Miss Jones has a very uh, artistic way of doing things that's not exactly present in Deep Throat, uh, I think in some ways it can't be overstated both uh, the impact of Deep Throat, which I've already given it credit for, but... Um, also, it's it really is a good film, and we'll we'll talk about it a bit here. Uh, I think in my memory, uh, it was one of the first Golden Age hardcore films that I saw because it was you know such a big name. It was the movie, so um, and then I saw a bunch of movies afterwards, and I guess in my memory things got clouded, and I thought of Deep Throat as a very simple film, yeah. and it is in some ways. But there's a lot of good filmmaking there that, in my mind, I hadn't really given it credit for. And we'll go into that along the way.
0: I feel like when you're kind of, like, fresh to, like, a thing, too, some stuff really gets built up uh, a lot. So you see it, and you're not as impressed as you think you are, but then you go off and you watch all the stuff that was, you know, basically inspired by that. Right and you finally come back around to that particular film like years later and you're like, this is great. What was I, you know, what didn't I see before? Right. But I think just developing kind of an eye for that sort of, uh, whatever genre it is like, uh, like I think I've said, I've seen Texas chainsaw massacre probably the first time when I was about, uh, 13 or 14. And it was, you know, it was creepy, but it didn't really do a whole lot for me. Mm -hmm. Um, when I finally saw it again, like in my early twenties, I thought it was amazing. I was like, "This is super tense." Yeah. Uh, Great atmosphere, the music, and that's good too. Even though it's Mm -hmm. pretty like simple like country jams. Yeah. But um, also maybe smoking spice helped add to (laughs) the level of uh, tension that I felt (laughs) while I was watching it. But all the same, it's definitely one of my favorites now.
1: It's it's an excellent film. Uh, I also, <laughs> in a completely different way, I also think Texas Chainsaw Two is an amazing film, but uh, definitely very different.
0: Yeah, you ever smoke some spice?
1: No, I haven't.
0: No, it wasn't great. I didn't go like insane and eat anybody. But right.
1: Yeah, I've it... uh, I've heard like a lot of people like I knew some people who were weed smokers that for whatever reason uh felt the need to switch to spice i guess for drug tests or stuff like that and uh they seem to go insane
0: yeah Uh, (laughs) like
1: temporarily they're okay now but like they just like had crazy anxiety or just like
0: yeah couldn't get out of bed the anxiety factor like especially like texas chainsaw uh (laughs) when that hitchhiker is gonna like cut them in the van like yeah. i knew that was coming and the anxiety level of having to see it again was so high <laughs> um but it was a really quick high like it was over in like 15 minutes and then like i tried to smoke some more and just couldn't get high again so i dumped it real fast yeah uh and don't it, <laughs>
1: smoke spice guys don't
0: smoke spice um, uh, it's not so, worth it
1: <laughs> so uh what's next up on our week cast uh uh, Toby Hooper, Funhouse is good. Uh, so, Deep Throat. Deeper than deep your throat. Um, you really
0: hung up on that song.
1: I just like that hook yeah. that stuck in my head for a the week. The music
0: has great hooks. That little like drum hit or whatever, that ding, or I guess a guitar, or like ding, 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 or whatever, and yeah. Strange Love, or yeah, Love yeah. is Strange. I was like, I know this song, but I don't. It's just a really catchy hook
1: yeah i think damiano himself is credited for the music
0: damn what a pro
1: i think so i might need to double check that but uh anyhow uh yeah deep throat is uh started the porno chic movement but because of that and i'm not going to say that it was necessarily the best hardcore film that had ever come out at that time but if I'm really thinking back and being honest, I can't think of a hardcore film that came out before it that was any better. So, uh, for the time at least, it it may have been the best porn film. Yeah,
0: like, we talked about Alter of Lust, which was a pretty early hardcore-ish film.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that, that only came out like a year before this. Right, so.
0: and it's kind of like, yeah, it's a real transition, though, between this film and that. I mean, I understand the budget was higher, but... Just like in how the story was told and all the stuff I really like. It was like a a jump from uh, just swinging swords at each other to just shooting bullets and dropping nukes. Uh, I want to destroy a city block.
1: So I was just looking and uh, on IMDB, and I'm not going to say that this is absolutely true until uh, I uh look more into it but uh wes craven is uh credited on additional crew on this film oh great i I know that wes craven worked on films especially the fireworks woman yeah uh and i know that he did more than just that and crewed on different things i don't know that i had seen anything else that had said wes craven was on here so i don't know if just some dude added it on here or something but uh
0: Listen, I thought that was interesting. Listen, possible random dude, you're fucking with the only research tool that we have. <laughs> I need you to cease and desist. I do
1: want to say that we did do some a bit of research on here for this episode. Um, to go ahead and cite some things before we just launch off talking into things. Uh, some of the th- things that we used as resources here, uh, Inside Deep Throat, the documentary from the mid-2000s.
0: Your primary source.
1: was, uh, uh, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Inside Deep Throat from the mid-2000s was one of our uh, one of the things that I watched this week in preparation. I also listened to the episode of the Rialto Report. Uh, it was there, episode 20, fittingly enough. Yeah. Uh, which I had no knowledge of beforehand. I didn't try to line that up.
0: No, it was in. Accident,
1: But uh, it featured uh, Gerard Damiano Jr., the son of director Gerard Damiano, and Eric Danville, the author of the book The Complete Linda Lovelace, her uh, biography, Late in Life. That episode was very interesting because they talked about it from both Gerard Damiano's perspective and Linda Lovelace's perspective, which... Sure aren't necessarily incompatible with one another but uh are different uh ways to look at this whole situation so anyhow again Deep Throat uh started a whole movement uh as Jeremy was pointing out it was a big society thing once it came out but um it didn't start off as the biggest porn film of all time it was a small production um and there there are three people that we really have to look at when we're talking about Deep Throat The first would be Gerard Damiano, the director. We talked a little bit about Damiano on our episode about The Devil and Miss Jones. Uh, Gerard Damiano was a hairdresser in New York um, who, when independent films were being shot in the area, Damiano went and did crew work, and that really stoked his interest in independent film. Um, He worked on a couple of uh, documentary features before this, but... Uh, he knew that one of the few genres that people could get financing in pretty easily, even if they were inexperienced, was pornography. So he went to, the, uh, to some people that he thought were perhaps unscrupulous businessmen and got some financing. It turned out they were connected to the Perino crime family, uh, in fact... Parino being their last names of the people yeah. he was working with Butchie and the old man.
0: They were yeah the the what was special about the Parino crime family is that they were actually a hybrid of piranhas and rhinos. <laughs> <laughs> and they were very vicious and short-tempered.
1: So Damiano went to the Parinos for money. Uh, for this and they had him do a few porn loops beforehand to prove that he could uh, turn out a product of any sort when he was uh making some of those loops there was a woman in one of the loops that he thought had a very interesting talent yes that woman was Linda Lovelace uh-huh. we'll get to that in a moment but Eventually, Damiano got this film greenlit through the Piranos. The estimated budget was $23,000 um, for this film, uh, which, based on its theatrical return, this is the most profitable film ever made. Yeah. But the actual uh, theatrical return is not exactly clear because the uh, the Mafia... Uh, or people alleged to be part of the mafia uh, were involved in the distribution and the money involved here. So getting absolutely clear numbers is impossible. Right. But uh, there are estimates as high as $600 million, and that was an estimate done by the FBI. Okay. And that's based off of a $23,000 budget. So by uh, percentage, it is the most profitable uh, film of all time.
0: When you bought the Blu-ray, are you, does the Mafia get some of that money still? I don't know. Perhaps. <laughs> okay. well, I'm glad to see you're financing organized crime. Thanks, man. You're welcome.
1: Thanks for pointing that out to the public. Oh, sorry. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> another important name in the history of Deep Throat was uh, Linda Lovelace, or Linda Borman, as she was born. Linda Lovelace has a... Uh, A very interesting history, we'll say. And we'll get into more of the specifics at the end of this podcast uh, after we talk about the film. But uh, she had a very brief career in pornography, estimated to be less than a month long. But she uh, certainly built up some notoriety in that time frame, uh, especially with this film itself. When she was doing a film for Damiano, uh, Damiano saw her giving a blowjob during the film and noticed that uh, she had quite a talent herself, the talent of the Deep Throat.
0: So um,
1: this inspired Damiano's uh, screenplay for the film that he was going to make. And he ended up, um, you know, again, inspired by uh, Linda's talent, uh, wrote a film around her specifically and for her specifically. He then presented Linda to the Piranos and told them that his plan was to make a film with her as the star. Um, And they were initially unenthused about this, uh, but the legend goes that uh, Linda then uh, showed one of the Parinos her abilities firsthand.
0: So I think it was old Butchie.
1: Old Butchie. Yeah. And uh, then he thought it was a great idea.
0: Yeah. She kind of describes it in the book a little bit uh-huh. that their relationship was kind of contentious. Yes. Because uh, Butchie was of the opinion that her tits weren't big enough to be like a proper porn star. Hmm. Uh, And that's mostly what it seemed to come down to. He was just always angry about that particular thing. Right. And that she wasn't, like, I guess super attractive, which, you know, she's she's cute.
1: Yeah, she's cute. I mean, she is the girl-next-door type is is what she really falls uh, into the category of. She's not the giant titted, giant assed uh blonde right. a stereotype of pornography. And that, that may in fact be part of uh the draw of this film itself was her her girl next door uh
0: appearance. I could see that. I could but, see the uh, appeal. You
1: know that uh her uh talents there uh were the inspiration for the film itself uh, another key player here is, of course, the teacher himself, Harry Reams. Yes. Uh, it Were it not for his involvement in this film, he likely might not have gotten that position in the film The Devil and Miss Jones and become the teacher. That's true. Uh, but I feel like it's a lot of what he learned on this film that led to him being the teacher at the time that The Devil and Miss Jones starts.
0: I agree with that.
1: Uh, but in all seriousness... Uh, Harry Reams was a production manager on this film to begin with.
0: Yeah, because uh, I think Damiano didn't want him as the lead initially.
1: Yeah, he he initially was mainly just you know working on the crew of the film, and uh, the Piranos had given Gerard Damiano the impression that they had people uh, you know connections down in Florida. They were going to uh, get everything set up for them, scout out the locations, get some girls to be in the film and everything. And uh, once the crew made it down to Florida to do all of this, uh, down in Miami, uh, they realized that uh, they had not actually secured the locations and were kicked off of their first uh, location that they shot at. Um, so it ended up with the crew having to kind of scramble to get everything together, but it was, uh, during this time that, uh, Harry lined up some locations for the film and, uh, for all his hard work, he was fired from the crew <laughs> and then hired to the cast. Oh, wow. Well. And, uh, got quite the, um, uh, upgrade really. Yeah. Of course, at the end of the day, this also came back to bite him quite a bit. But again, we'll get into that more later. Right. Again, before the uh, release of the film, um, the term Deep Throat wasn't necessarily a thing uh, as it is now. It's now uh, almost a household name.
0: Yes, (laughs) indeed. Indeed.
1: Um, you know, America has deep throat fever even to this day, and, uh... I sure do. I definitely think about deep throating at least a couple hundred times a day, so...
0: Yeah, it's always in the back of your mind. Yes, in the back of your throat. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Before the film was released, it was suggested that, uh... Deep Throat wasn't the best name for it. I think Jeremy might have uh, mentioned that earlier in his yeah. Quotes. I
0: think that was something that the Piranos were also saying. Yeah.
1: One of the suggestions for the title of the film was the Sword Swallower, which would have been a fun title, but uh, it certainly wouldn't have uh, become the household name that Deep Throat has. Yeah. It's not. It's not as. Uh, as. Uh,
0: Sounds like a vaudeville act.
1: Yes. Oh, the old sword swallower. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Let's go ahead and get into the film itself, and then we'll uh, circle back to talk a little bit more about the background and the aftermath of it. So hang on with us for just a moment, Uh, enjoy some uh, funky grooves from the soundtrack, and then we'll be back to talk about Deep Throat. Deep
0: Throat, deeper than deep your throat. get your gold, that's all she wrote, Deep throat. Deep, throat. deep throat. than deep your throat,
1: throat. Alright, so we're back to talk about Deep Throat, the film itself. Deep Throat opens with some shots of uh, the Bayside in uh, Miami as uh, Linda Lovelace. Uh, playing Linda Lovelace. Walks towards the camera and then towards the car parked uh, in a parking space nearby. She drives around Miami a bit as we get some funky 70s music playing
0: looks in the like, credits. Yeah, Kind of looks like shit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm not a big fan. Uh, do you think this song is a Christmas song?
1: Uh, it it does sound a little Christmassy.
0: I can't quite figure out which one, though.
1: Okay. I'll
0: have to ask Wes Craven. Yeah, I'm sure he knows. He did all the music, right?
1: Uh, I don't think so.
0: Okay, well, that's fine.
1: <laughs> but in the credits, uh, Linda Lovelace is uh, credited as herself. Uh, introducing Linda Lovelace. Uh, I believe this is her only feature-length hardcore film. I think so uh as we as we noted uh you know her her hardcore career lasted less than a month um by the estimations of some people i think that the that 17 days was tossed around a few times uh and in that time she did i believe it was nine loops and then this one film and that was the end of her hardcore career so She was perhaps the biggest name in hardcore sex at the time, and she, uh, you know, the most famous porn star ever at that point, and she was in one porn film. So that's interesting. But she was able to spin that into uh, more lucrative uh, offers as the decade went on. Anyhow, uh, after the credits, um, we get Linda pulling into her driveway. Uh, The director here is credited as Jerry Girard, For uh, Gerard Damiano. We have Linda Lovelace again getting out of the car and walking into her home. She says, Helen, I'm home. And then Helen is in the kitchen and she's getting eaten out. Helen asks the guy that's eating her out if he minds if she smokes while he's eating. Yeah, that's
0: Um, probably as trashy a quote as one might expect from someone having sex in Florida.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Linda you know, put some stuff up in the kitchen uh, as this is going on in the kitchen. We get a scene of uh, Helen uh, getting eaten out. Helen asks Linda where she's going, and Linda says she's just going to go slide up and down the banister. So we get introduced into this uh, this uh, plot point of Linda being uh, sexually unfulfilled because uh, her roommate is uh, getting action and she is not here so we get to get a scene of this uh, oral sex going on as we get this funky 70s rock song
0: yeah, uh, I, I got you in, the,
1: in trouble is the line
0: in the chorus nice yeah no i love this song uh once again i love all the music in this film
1: this is uh, an excellent film when it comes to music
0: it really feels like kind of like like the way you do, like kind of like a modern soundtrack where there's just like a bunch of like pop songs in the background. Except I think they're pretty much all original compositions. Yeah. Except maybe cribbing from some Christmas songs here and there. <laughs> definitely, um, definitely a step up from something like the Sorceress, which just outright stole uh,
1: tubular bells. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we cut from this scene to Helen in the swimming pool and Linda sitting beside the pool painting her nails. Helen gets out of the pool and urges Linda to take a dip because it feels good. Uh, Helen notes that Linda's been moping around all day, and we get some background information here. Helen notes that she gets alimony, and Linda gets allowance from her old man. But Linda notes that there has to be more than, in life than screwing around. Helen asks if she wants to settle down. Linda knows that she doesn't enjoy sex, but then she corrects herself and says, it's not that, but she feels tingly all over, and then nothing. It's at this point that we learn that Linda has never had an orgasm. Helen says, uh, you know, different strokes for different folks, and then says that maybe they should get some guys up there, because certainly somebody could get her off. So, we then cut to two guys showing up at their house. And as they walk in, there's a whole room of guys waiting. Um, Helen gives the two latest arrivals numbers 11 and 12. Uh, as we look around this room, Gerard Damiano himself is one of the guys waiting. Mm-hmm. One of the guys says that he never wins raffles after he gets his number from Helen, and Helen <laughs> tells him that everyone here gets a piece. So there's at least 12 guys here for this fuck fest. Yeah. Uh, Based on the numbers. And we cut to Linda getting fucked by a guy. We see their faces a bit, and there's some doggy vaginal sex, and then uh, an anal doggy shot from behind as she's fingering herself. A guy pulls out and finishes on her back, and we see her smiling. But back in the living room, we see Helen blowing another guy as another guy fucks her from behind doggy style. The guy ends up pulling out and coming on Helen's ass, and then he or another guy fucks her more, comes on her ass. You know, there's a whole fuck fest going on between Helen and Linda in the other room as they keep fucking a bunch. A uh, bunch of weird 70s rock going on. Again, great soundtrack here. There's a shot of Helen getting fucked in the ass from behind as another guy is uh, eating her out from below. Uh, at one point as this is going on uh the guy who's uh doing her in the ass his dick flies out of her ass and hits the other guy in the face
0: <laughs> oh uh, yeah I saw that just for a second uh, was,
1: hits his hit his, hits his chin with it
0: I was thinking when I watched it that was like this is a dangerous position because this guy's dick could like flop on your face or you know like you know you just you're really putting a lot of trust in him and then it happened and I was like <laughs> I was like, yeah I think it probably happens more often than anyone engaging in group sex would admit.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's the dangers of the game. But, you know, you just got to be a trooper and take just, it as it comes. Yeah, you
0: know, sometimes a dick's just going to slap you in the face no matter how straight you think you are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We here at the Raincoat Report have no problem with uh, dicks hitting dudes in the face.
0: All right. Come here, boss.
1: Uh, no, thank you.
0: Okay, that's fair. It's all about consent, too. I uh, that yes. from Pretty Peaches.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that we were able to learn something from that film. <laughs> we cut to this point where Helen's on the couch with two naked guys, and another guy walks in saying that it's the next dude's turn. Apparently, he came out of the room with Linda. One of the guys in the room says that he spent, seemingly having spent a bunch of time fucking Helen a bunch, and uh, basically nobody wants to fuck anymore. Uh, Gerard Damiano's character walks in and asks Helen, What's a joint like you doing in a girl like this?
0: Okay. I wondered who this a little aggressively gay neighbor was.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know what his deal was.
0: He just had a funny line to put in the movie.
1: Yeah, and uh Helen says, How did you get in here? And then he says, Listen, honey, you called me. I didn't call you. And that's the end of their interaction. I
0: don't That's it. It's a. Uh... It was a 70s. Three's Company was popular. (laughs) So, you know, just the the weird landlord. Right. Yeah.
1: We then see Helen and Linda walking, and Linda notes that she hasn't gotten off yet, and she's feeling disappointed. Uh, Helen taunts her a bit, not necessarily being super supportive, but then she suggests that Linda might need to see Dr. Young. Maybe it's a mental block or something. So we then cut to see Dr. Young talking to Linda, telling her it's quite common. Of course, Dr. Young is played by the teacher, Harry Reams.
0: Yes, who um, practices bubble-based healing techniques.
1: Uh, Yes, uh, that's one of the key things about this scene is when it starts, he's uh, looking through a bubble wand, but I thought it was a magnifying glass, a tiny magnifying glass at first. But then it becomes clear that it's just a wand that you dip in a thing of bubbles. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Young asked her if something weird happened when she was young. <laughs> she makes a comment that he's making her wet at one point, but it's it's him blowing bubbles that's causing that uh, yeah. to be clear. She talks about how, you know, she's disappointed cuz she's been expecting bells, bombs, dams bursting. That repeated description of an orgasm. Yeah. He asks her if she's ever had an internal examination. Uh, she has not, so Linda undresses. <laughs> Dr. Young asks his nurse for sterilization. She brings over like this little bowl of water, and he just kind of dips his fingertips in it. <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe it was supposed to be alcohol or something, but he only dips his fingertips yeah, in it, so not, I don't feel like he's would that great... sterile.
0: First of all, he's a psychologist. He shouldn't be administering these examinations. <laughs> so right. whatever he does is it's going to be uh, maybe a little suspect.
1: Uh, yes, indeed. So he gets close and looks with a telescope at her vagina. <laughs> he keeps looking, and he finally determines and tells her that she has no clitoris.
0: Which I feel like I've seen it.
1: Yeah, I did too, but we're we're not going to get
0: into all that. So we should get into the fact that she is like, maybe like at least to me, the earliest shaved vagina that you see.
1: Yeah, I will say that she has a completely shaved vagina here. Yeah, uh, uh, which I can't think of an earlier film that I've seen a shaved vagina. Yeah,
0: because and even later on, it's still mostly natural hair. Yeah, up until like about like the mid to late nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes, so she starts crying a little bit, and he asks her what gives her the most pleasure when having sex. She says that she enjoys giving head the most, and he asks her where she gets excited, and she says he'll laugh, but he says, no, tell him, so she points to her throat. She cries a little bit more, but uh, Dr. Young takes a look and he tells her that her clitoris is in her throat.
0: How He's, did it get there?
1: I don't know. That's uh, abnormal,
0: to yeah, say the least. it sure is.
1: So uh, Dr. Young seems happy with his uh, discovery, but Linda is still crying. She asks him, well, what if your balls were in your ears? He says, then I could hear, hear myself coming. coming?
0: <laughs> what a great line. <laughs>
1: Doctor Young then explains to her that the solution may be deep throat. Oh yeah. He explains that she must relax her throat, regulate her breathing to the movement of her head. Dr. Young then urges her to try on him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this guy's worse than the the doctor and altar of lust.
1: Uh ye.
0: Maybe. He uh, might be par. about on par. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, both of them kind of just went down the same road. Yeah. I feel like, at least in this case, he has a medical reason to have tried this.
0: Yeah. That's as we find fair. out
1: later in the film, like he was right about his assumption. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like he's in a better place. Like that's... he's still definitely abusing his power as a doctor, but he's at least uh, going down a medical path here okay he's he's going down the road of scientific discovery sure (laughs) so linda starts blowing him and eventually really taking it down her throat and this is when we get to hear our uh, deep throat theme song uh the song is amazing it has a lot of organ
0: yes it's beautiful it's a love theme from deep throat
1: yes the love theme from deep throat so, after a while, we get cutaways to uh, bronze statues with hammers ringing a bell. Um, we get to see fireworks and a space shuttle taking off. And uh, eventually, she pulls the cock out of her mouth and Dr. Young comes. Uh, then she deep throats it again just for good measure. She pulls it out after she's done and smiles big and licks it a bit more. Dr. Young looks like he had a great time.
0: (laughs) He sure does.
1: She says that she wants to marry him, but he says his nurse won't let him. (laughs) So, uh, she's upset and accuses Dr. Young of throwing her out on the street to go from man to man. He says he's not and says that she can work for him as a physiotherapist to make house calls.
0: And this is more... See, this is where I think this puts him on a worse level than the other guy.
1: Perhaps. Because now he's
0: actively, like, just prostituting her.
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess so. I didn't think about that part. Yes. (laughs) She asks if she needs any equipment, and he tells her that she has all the equipment she'll ever need. (laughs) So we then see Linda walking outside around uh, in a nurse's outfit. She walks through a doorway and down some stairs, and we see her approaching a guy in a shot that's very out of focus, uh, then eventually goes into focus. It did not seem to be on purpose, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> she undresses, and the guy takes off his pants. Uh, he's sitting at this like buffet-style table <laughs> with uh, seats wrapped around it, she blows him a bit, and then uh, he fucks her on the table. We get some good shots from moving camera. that That's one thing here, is the cinematography for a guy's first porn feature is actually pretty darn good. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, artistic shots and moving camera. Definitely. Uh, although I called out an out-of-focus shot just a minute ago. No, uh, there's a lot of really good stuff here. happens
0: in those nice, like earlier um those like inner cuts of like stock footage into like the blowjob scene as she comes yeah yeah that stuff's good
1: it's good stuff
0: yeah definitely like i said like light years ahead of some of the other stuff that was coming out at the time
1: (laughs) the patient then pushes a weird glass plug into her and pours some champagne into it and drinks it out
0: Uh, yeah he doesn't like the taste of the champagne
1: I uh, guess not, but like it's weird because I guess I guess he's fucking her in the ass at this point.
0: I think so. If he's and even he's, fucking her, he's just doing his weird, crazy straw technique. <laughs> uh,
1: meanwhile, Doctor, we cut to Doctor Young recording uh, on his uh, recorder. We get a lot of this uh, from here on out in the film as he's uh, talking about his various patients while performing sex acts with a nurse.
0: Yeah, uh, Carol Connors. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Great boobs. Another quote from that fine book, uh, The Other Hollywood. Uh,
1: Carol Connors we would later see in a uh, bigger role in The Erotic Adventures of Candy, and Candy Goes to Hollywood. Yes. So Dr. Young talks about how his patient wanted to know if things were better with coke. He tells the nurse who's blowing him to relax her muscles. Again, Carol Connor here. So we go back to this guy, and he pours coke into the weird plug that was in uh, Linda's vagina, uh-huh. uh, and we get this parody of the "Buy a World of Coke" or "Buy the World a Coke" song, yeah, uh, playing as this is going on. Then we see Linda going to another patient uh, at a motel. Uh, Doctor Young talks about it in, uh, in a cutaway here. As he's fucking the nurse doggy style, he explains that this patient hasn't had sex since his wife passed and refuses until he's been married, but he has groin pains, perhaps caused by abstinence.
0: I Uh, hate those.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, we cut to Linda in the hotel room, and and it appears to be after the session, which, based on this guy, yeah, didn't need to see him having sex, but... (laughs) He explains he needs more of that treatment a few times a week, and she asks if he's sure because it's expensive, and he says money's not an object.
0: He has Blue Cross. He, yes, he has Blue Cross. Which is usually pretty good, <laughs> uh, from my ex- experience. Solid.
1: So then we get the sequence where Dr. Young's in bed with a thermometer and an enema bag on his head, like as a ice pack. <laughs> And, uh, um, we see Linda bringing him a drink and some pills. As this is going on, we also see cutaways of Dr. Young fucking the nurse, uh, talking about another patient, but he's talking about himself and how he needs to ball two nurses. (laughs) We get cutaways between Dr. Young fucking the nurse and Dr. Young uh, being blown by and fucking Linda as she's taking care of him sick in bed.
0: I think she's been getting him sick. I think she has like a Munchausen's by proxy thing going on. (laughs) Um, I feel like it's the kind of person that she is.
1: (laughs) Um, there's a shot where Linda and Dr. Young are 69ing and, uh, she reaches over and puts her nurse cap on while it's going on. (laughs) Uh, as they're 69ing, he puts a thumb in her ass. Yes. We get, uh, some reverse cowgirl shots and of course, deep throating.
0: Yeah, of course. Um. I think, um, they said this was like a reel they'd shot before the film was finalized. So like, they kind of had filmed this and then decided to go with uh, I think Linda is like the lead of their movie.
1: That would make sense. Yeah,
0: and then they kind of just incorporated this whole thing into there. I guess since he was already a doctor, they just kind of wrote the script around that.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. So we cut to Dr. Young in bed again and Linda comes and helps him out of bed and onto a couch. (laughs) She's brought him a cup of like three ounces of something. It looks like Coke or liquor or something dark. We then cut to A guy with a bandana wrapped around his face and a gun in his hand. Uh, And then we see Linda in her bathroom, and she's shaving her uh, pubic region.
0: Yeah, to the Old Spice theme.
1: Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, yeah. Excellent. He peeks around the doorway and sees her. uh, We watch her lathering up and shaving. We then see the nurse talking about the next patient as Dr. Young is going down on her, uh, talking into his recorder. Uh, She explains that he can only get off on overpowering a woman and pretending to rape her. She says that Linda may be uniquely matched to him. We see Linda say she needs a strong man as she's walking out of the bathroom, and then the uh, patient confronts her and says that he's going to rape her, but she willingly goes along with what he says, and then he gets upset. He's upset because he wanted her to act afraid. Again, this is a, this is a uh, consensual non-consent, uh, yes, act out yes. to be clear. Uh, and he's upset because she's going along with it too willingly, uh, which is. Uh,
0: it's not what he likes.
1: Not what he wants. She apologizes and says that she really likes him. Uh, he says that he wants to marry her. But she says she has to marry someone with a nine-inch cock. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh no," because his cock is not nine inches. No,
0: it's he's four inches so, away from paradise.
1: Yeah, he's four inches away from paradise, and she says, "Well, maybe you can call Doctor Young to see if he can help."
0: This is when this starts feeling like a long infomercial for Harry Reams, uh, like unethical medical clinic. <laughs> he's a psychologist. What could he do? <laughs>
1: I feel like maybe he services all kinds of stuff.
0: Yeah, that's why it's like a very it's very shady.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure.
0: He's definitely a mafia doctor.
1: So, he calls Dr. Young and talks to him on the phone and tells her that Dr. Young can fix it tomorrow. And she's like, "Oh, okay." And then he pulls his, da- his pants down and he says, "He can cut it down to any size you want." Huh. In fact, it wasn't that he had too small of a penis. He had too big of a penis, although I would say that this guy does not have a 13-inch penis. Oh, he's, he's, as, no,
0: he's no John Holmes.
1: No, he's not, but I mean, you know, he's got a he has got a big donger. He's
0: got a big donger for sure. It's not
1: 13 inches, not no. four inches away from nine inches. Yeah,
0: he's maybe like eight inches, nine inches at best. You're right. They oversold him.
1: Anyhow. you've got
0: eyes. They think I can't see her clit, and they think I can't tell how big a man's dick is just from eyeing it up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So uh, she is excited ha- having seen his big old cock and starts to deep-throat him as the deep-throat theme plays more. He fingers her and uh, rubs her non-clit a bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we get the cutaway stock footage of the bells ringing and, bom- and uh, rockets taking off and stuff as she finishes him. The music goes quiet and then we see... Uh, carousel of musical animals like a drumming penguin and a kangaroo (laughs) with like horns like there was a kangaroo and then the baby kangaroo in the pouch both playing horns uh and then we cut back to the jammy part of the deep throat song as she smiles while playing with his big cock and then we see uh the end on the screen first upside down and then it animatedly uh flips over and then it uh, says on the screen, And deep throat to you all.
0: Aww, a and, message of uh, joy.
1: And that is deep throat. Deeper than deep. Your throat. That's all she wrote. We're going to take another break here, and we're going to talk about deep throat and uh, the aftermath and controversy surrounding this film.
0: No. No. No, this.
1: That's all she scrote.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was. And deep scrote to you all.
1: Yes, and deep scrote to you all. All right, well, we're back on the Raincoat Report to uh, talk a little bit more about Deep Throat and its impact. So, there are a lot of things to talk about when it comes to Deep Throat. And I think one of the first things that's important to talk about is the impact on uh, legal things, particularly with... uh, Legal matters. Legal matters, uh, particularly when it uh, pertains to this film being repeatedly busted and uh, taken to court. There are a lot of things that led to this film being repeatedly prosecuted. The fact that it kind of took on a life of its own in New York being seen by uh, a lot of uh, big names kind of put it in the crosshairs of uh, a lot of people who were trying to fight against pornography at the time. There was a big, uh, we'll call it conservative movement in the country at the time that was trying to fight against uh, the... Increasing explicit nature of films in the country at the time.
0: Bunch of goddamn un American sons of bitches. That's what they were. <laughs> um, we got a quote from Anora Ephron. Sure. I don't think they're really the Zach Efron. Perhaps. Perhaps. I think it's spelled differently. Um, but on that note, uh, she said, I've seen a lot of stag films in my life. Well, that's not true. I've seen about five or six. So obviously the most equipped to make a judgment. Uh, and although most of them were raunchy, a few were sweet and innocent, and actually erotic. Deep Throat, on the other hand, is one of the most unpleasant, disturbing films I've ever seen. It's not just anti-female, but anti-sexual as well. And uh, <laughs> a similar, not quite a quote, but uh, from Larry Parrish, who is one of like the main prosecutors on some of the cases, yeah. said that the film had scarred him from having <laughs> to watch it so many times
1: yeah uh he appeared in interviews on inside deep throat and uh you know made uh modern as of the time you know Mm -hmm. 15 years ago or whatever it was uh interview statements about it and uh mentioned that as well that he felt scarred by the film
0: which i can't imagine if he just like opened up like Pornhub and just saw some of the things (laughs) these these girls are doing yeah for sure um that's only slightly related, but I think Joyce Snyder made, like, a comment that the women in, like, Porn Now are just, like, stunt women, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, I mean, you compare, like, the sex in this, and then, like, on the last episode, Public Affairs, it's so much, like, tamer. Yeah, like, yeah. everyone deep throats now. Yeah. And <laughs> if they don't, like, spit up, like, what they had for lunch, it's not considered, like, a good video. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, I don't necessarily need all of that when it comes to uh, a video.
0: But that's, um, like, that's what's yeah, popular, know, yeah.
1: Yeah, I know what you're saying. No, and I mean, you know, I'm, I'll am uh, I'll be 100% honest. Uh, I definitely can appreciate a good deep throat. Yeah. Let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, Linda Lovelace does a great job in this film. Um, and, uh, you know. The world needs more deep-throating, I would say. But, yeah. you, you know, you don't have to uh, jam it in there until she throws up.
0: Yeah, that's an unnecessary step.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's just being uh, uncourteous, really.
0: Yeah. Um, you, gotta, you gotta respect the ladies.
1: Um, they were showing some old news footage from the 70s in uh, inside Deep Throat, and there was this old lady, she had to have been in her 60s, who was excited about going to see Deep Throat and said that <laughs> I should be able to go see an adult film if I want to go see an adult film and I appreciated her a lot.
0: Yeah, she sounds great. She was great. I'm sure she's gone now, but God bless her soul.
1: Yeah. She's either gone now or she's like a hundred and twenty.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: But uh either way, it's great. One of the things that is uh thought to have been a particular Uh, point of contention when it comes to Deep Throat versus other sex films at the time beyond it just having so much popularity uh, is the the idea that it might have promoted the quote-unquote wrong type of orgasm
0: oh yeah I think I read a little bit about that too. so
1: there's a couple of pieces to this uh this is really rooted in the old-fashioned ideas that only vaginal sex with a man is proper sex, basically. Right. right. Uh and there was some sort of uh conservative idea that uh clitoral orgasms were somehow improper, I guess because it doesn't have to involve a man. Yeah. Uh, you know, with his penis. Uh, it is seems like a God, very...
0: God-given penis yeah, <laughs> made just to give orgasms.
1: Right, but only vaginal orgasms. Yeah. Uh, intervaginal orgasms. So, not only was it promoting clitoral orgasms, which were not the proper vaginal <laughs> orgasms that a woman should have, <laughs> uh, it was also promoting uh, various types of sodomy. Uh, both with oral and anal sex in the film.
0: It sure was.
1: Yeah, there was a lot more anal sex in this than I expected.
0: It was a lot raunchier, like than I expected to be, like from '72. Like I didn't really expect to see like much anal or anything in it. Yeah. Or, uh... But really, Damiano's good at that kind of like wacky sex, like with the the coke thing, because there's like, yeah, quite him. a bit of that in The Devil and Miss Jones too.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff in that movie as well, uh, and really through his uh, filmography. We'll definitely watch a few more of his films on the show, because uh, he does some great stuff. Uh, he made what I would consider a follow-up only in name to this film, called Throat Twelve Years Later or After. Solve I can't remember which. The, yeah. uh, it is uh, very good, but it has no real narrative link to this film. Sure. Uh, but it's uh, it's more of a relationship drama between a few different character relationships right. and stuff. But it's it's a very good, well-made yeah. porn film of and the then, 80s.
0: I know you gave me Memories Within Miss Aggie, which is another Damiano. I haven't watched it yet. But, yeah. uh,
1: it's It's good. We'll definitely do that on the show as sweet. well. It excellent. has an excellent ending, I would say.
0: All right. I'm looking um, forward to it.
1: Damiano himself was not very proud of this film. But it's one of those things where, you know, an artist kind of looks back at his early work and only sees all of the mistakes that they made, everything that they did wrong. Right. But this film is uh, very good in a lot of ways. But again, police raided, quote-unquote, this film three times. Uh, They went and, you know, stole prints, and at one point they came back and took the cameras, apparently. Um, It's fucked up. But the controversy around this helped the sales, and uh, articles in Variety and the New York Times gave it further legitimacy. Um, Linda became an immediate celebrity after this film, despite the fact that her total earnings of the film were about $1,200. Sure. But this film was eventually found to be obscene in the state of New York and had to be removed from Manhattan, at this point it toured the country but local groups gathered in uh most of the cities that it went to and tried to have it banned across the country and it eventually was banned in 23 states
0: damn was it banned in kentucky
1: uh i don't know for sure but i would imagine there's a pretty good chance of it i believe that so
0: we're on that route
1: at, at some point the fbi arrested damiano Mm -hmm. And he was accused of making the film with mob ties. Uh, And again, his uh, partners here uh, are certainly alleged to be part of organized crime. The Perino family, part of the Colombo family. Oh, yeah. In the film itself, Gerard Damiano was one of three partners, again, with Butchie and the old man, uh, both Perino's. But the film started to make good money and very quickly after it was released and started making money, Damiano was given a quote-unquote offer he couldn't refuse and had to sell off his interest in the film. Damiano said that he knew people who ended up in the trunk of cars, uh, you know, presumably dead, Yeah, uh- uh, who had <laughs> crossed the Perrinos, so he was not going to... Uh, keep fighting with him so they gave him a some amount of money to buy him out uh, apparently as part of that buyout they bought up gerard damiano productions so the checks that he received to pay him out which was over the course of two years all came from gerard damiano productions as mm-hmm. an extra little uh uh slap in the face about the whole situation
0: i got a little just an anecdote here. It says Gerard Damiano went to one of the perinos and asked for more money. And they told him, Jerry, the only thing you're going to get in addition to what you already got is two broken kneecaps.
1: Excellent. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, I do see there's a, a quote from Fred Lincoln, who I'm not sure who that is, but he says he was in West Craven's last house on the left. So maybe that connection is real. Okay. Okay. I think he was one of the killers who wasn't David Hess.
1: Okay, you said you had a quote from Fred Lincoln, or was that no? The that that was just okay. um,
0: that was just me kind of tying it back to the West oh, okay. the West Craven connection.
1: Gotcha. Okay. You know that's it. So, what had been going on in the country at the time was a lot of the hardcore films being made were being uh, were being financed by organized crime. It was a good way to take a small amount of money and make a lot of profit, and because it was still something that was on the fringes when it comes to legality, the organized crime groups had their hands in it. There's a lot of uh, information about this, even though it's in a fictionalized format, in the HBO series The Deuce, uh-huh. It talks a lot about the move uh into uh producing pornography and the ties of the mafia and all of that how they were uh financing a lot of uh prostitution type things and ended sure. up uh kind of moving into pornography as the seventies went on but not only were the you know illegitimate groups financing these films but they were also involved in the distribution they They owned a lot of theaters, um, and they would go, they would send uh, checkers and sweepers to the theater to basically check how many people were there and uh, take money back. But the idea was to hold uh, theater owners accountable for giving them the right amount of money. Right. Um, Because, you know, again, you couldn't necessarily trust everybody, and, you know, an unscrupulous theater owner who tried to keep too much money from themselves uh, might not end up uh, being alive in the end. He's going to be in a trunk. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There was a large FBI case against pornography in 1974. It was a federal case from D.C., of course, being through the FBI, and 117 people were charged for conspiracy uh, for the case. Gerard Damiano and Linda Lovelace had immunity, although I think they might have had to testify as part of the proceedings here. But the one person from the production of uh, Deep Throat that was looked to make an example of was Harry Reams.
0: Yes. The teacher himself. Yeah, they tried to prosecute our teacher just like they did Christ. <laughs>
1: So, Harry Reams, they note in uh, Inside Deep Throat, made $250 from his role in Deep Throat?
0: Yes. <laughs> Not very much money.
1: And now he was being taken to uh, federal court. So, you know, again, Larry Parrish, you had already brought up, was the prosecutor in this case. Um, in Inside Deep Throat, Damiano talked about him and said that he was tall and arrogant. Uh, <laughs> Uh, He was a former Protestant preacher,
0: apparently. Yeah, sounds right.
1: And from a legal standpoint, they were using a creative use of conspiracy law. It was called the train analogy. Uh, Essentially, if you drive a train from New York to St. Louis, and then you get off the train and somebody else drives it from St. Louis to L.A., The idea is that you are still responsible for everything that happened in that train... Sure. ...all the way to L.A., even if you aren't on the train at that point.
0: Seems terrible.
1: Yeah, it's really stupid. I hate it. (laughs) So, basically, they were trying to pin all of pornography and all of its theoretical social ills on Harry Reams himself.
0: Yeah, just like the teacher, they tried to take him out... But he was stronger than they.
1: So Larry Parrish said that the quote-unquote actors and actresses were actually prostitutes and whoremongers.
0: (laughs) It's a legal term, is whoremonger. So,
1: in 1976, a jury found him unanimously guilty, Harry Reams, as part of this conspiracy charge, and he faced five years in jail. At this point... Hollywood names came to defend him as an actor. You know, we in the Inside Deep Throat documentary they show like him posing with like Jack Nicholson and sure. people like that of the uh, time.
0: Sammy Davis Jr.
1: Yeah, probably Sammy <laughs> Davis Jr.
0: Spiro Agnew.
1: Um Harry Reims said that his lawyer told him, "Well, if the Republicans get reelected, you're going to jail. If the Democrats are elected, you'll be set free." <laughs> After all of this, you know, he had been convicted and was waiting for sentencing, but the decision ended up being overturned in 1977. But the only reason it was overturned was because his work in Deep Throat happened before the 1973 Supreme Court decision on obscenity. So because it happened before the obscenity laws were actually passed, uh, he was not held responsible. A new case was mounted against him, but charges eventually were dropped. Harry Reams, on the other hand, was on an emotional roller coaster throughout all this time. It looked like he was going to have to, you know, go to jail for five years or more. Right. So, you know, that was a pretty hard time on him and him being dragged into court and all of this and being the target of everybody's hate and vitriol because he got paid $250 to have a little bit of sex and get deep-throated. You know, it was a rough time on him and he kind of credits this as the beginning of his descent into drug and alcoholism.
0: Sure, uh, I can see that.
1: And you know, a rough time in his life. Uh it was noted in that documentary that Harry was offered the role of the coach in Greece, but just before production began, Paramount pulled the plug on him. And, uh, he was not in Greece because of
0: that. That's a real bummer.
1: <laughs> yeah. That would have been great if he was the coach in Greece. I would be a lot happier about the fact that my girlfriend wants to watch Greece all the time.
0: Yeah. If the teacher were there.
1: Yeah. If the teacher was there.
0: Even in the minor role. Yeah. I don't remember the coach from Greece. I think, it
1: would, I think Stephanie said earlier it was Sid Caesar, which is oh. kind of cool, but, you know, not Harry Reims cool. Joker. Gerard Damiano's, uh, final situation at the end of Deep Throat you know he didn't get tied up as much in the legal proceedings he definitely got picked up a couple times and questioned and threatened and such but Mm -hmm. he didn't end up getting uh, sentenced to time or anything like that but you know his career from this point forward was uh, very tumultuous we'll say Uh, the Perino family apparently had also promised to uh, finance a horror film for him but that all fell apart, and Damiano ultimately didn't work with the Prinos again, which was probably for the best. You know, again, Damiano made this film for twenty-three to $25,000 that made an obscene amount of money, maybe up to $600 million, but only saw a tiny bit of money in return at the end of the day because he got cut out of the actual profits here. Uh, because of the mob he would go on to make a bunch of other films the devil and miss jones as we Mm, talked about and we talked about a few of his other later films
0: right
1: you know damiano fashioned himself to be a real filmmaker and an artist and you can definitely see that in a lot of his later work he definitely takes things in a lot of different directions but ultimately you know he expected to be in a situation where Because he directed this hugely financially successful film that he would make a bunch of money off of it, and that didn't end up really happening for him. Um, He did, to a certain extent, uh, start getting a little bit bigger budgets, but then things just kind of ramped down afterwards. There was a bit of a limit to how much money he could earn to make a hardcore sex film. Yeah. And he continued to make films even into the video era, at which point the budgets just plummeted to the point where he just didn't see it uh, being worthwhile because in order to be profitable on a film at a certain point, he had to be able to just shoot it in a day and not put that much effort into it. Right. Uh, It was a sad state of affairs that we've kind of touched on a few times on the show.
0: I think we talked about in the devil and miss jones how eventually he just started taking like a flat fee from whatever he would make instead of getting screwed again on distribution and uh whatever kind of like profit the film turned
1: yeah that was uh that was a key to it eventually so damiano was definitely more proud of some of his later films uh damiano jr on the rialto report talked about How, uh, towards the end of his life, he watched, uh, a few of his films with his dad just to kind of see how his dad thought about him, uh, which has got to be a fun father and son experience. Right. (laughs) Um, but anyhow, uh, he talked about how his dad kind of cringed a bit at, at Deep Throat just because he could only really see the negatives in it. But, uh, he also would talk about how much he liked The Devil and Miss Jones, and they, uh, watched, uh, he said his favorite was probably The Story of Joanna, which I haven't seen yet, okay. but uh, seems pretty interesting. You know, this film was produced on 35mm film, which a lot of the budget uh, really went to having to buy that film stock and develop it because it's more expensive than 8 or 16mm film. But uh, Damiano was insistent on that because that's what real movies, so to speak, are made on. It's true. Or were made on before it was all digital.
0: of bullshit.
1: Uh, anyhow.
0: <laughs> Destroying the Kodak company.
1: There is a Blu-ray release of Deep Throat uh, put out by MVD, I believe it is. Uh, it is pretty decent. Uh, it's definitely better than the DVD version that I had before. Um, it's not quite as uh, stellar as these vinegar syndrome restorations are. Uh, But it is, you know, pretty good. The colors are a lot better than the DVD. Uh, The DVD that I had before was uh, 4x3 full frame, so to speak, Uh, whereas this is an actual widescreen presentation. Excellent. Uh, But it does look like it might be a 720p uh, HD scan from, you know, the DVD era, so to speak, and not really...
0: Sometimes I don't think my eyes are good enough to tell.
1: Yeah. Well, that that might be. I'm blind. Uh, also, the film itself—it's you know there's like a hair in the gate at some point. Yeah,
0: there was. I, um, I made a note of that. Like when she's driving around, there's yeah. just like this huge ass hair that's across the screen.
1: The film looks a bit beat up, so I feel like it's probably not coming from the camera negative. But uh, you know, if somebody like Vinegar Syndrome or Synapse or somebody uh, made like a 4K scan from the camera negative, that would look amazingly better but you know what we have right now is not bad it's all right uh anyhow uh the other elephant in the room when it comes to this film is linda lovelace oh yes so uh tell us
0: about the dog tape uh, (laughs) have you seen the dog tape
1: i have not seen the dog tape i don't want to like we want the dog tape I don't want to look for it. I don't want it in my search history.
0: America wants that dog tape. I'll look it up right now on my phone. Um, You talk about Linda Lovelace, I'll tell you if I find the dog tape.
1: (laughs) So, Linda Lovelace, early in her life, met a man named Chuck Trainer.
0: Real piece of shit.
1: (laughs) He was a real piece of shit.
0: I've got a quote from him I'll uh, pop out in a moment.
1: So he dated Linda for a bit and became her fiancé and then her husband. They moved to New York City and uh, in order to make money, Chuck Trainer decided, hey, maybe I should prostitute out my wife a bit because that's what uh, lunatics do sometimes. So he uh, whores her out a bit, and then also uh, gets her into the world of pornography, and he was an overbearing presence on her life for years to come. Now, the story of Linda Lovelace and Deep Throat is uh, unclear in some ways. In the 70s, Linda talked about the experience as being pretty great, uh, and, you know, took it as an opportunity for her to gain some newfound stardom and uh, she made some appearances in other non-hardcore films and uh, uh, I think Paramount did a production that was like Linda Lovelace for President Yeah,
0: 1975. They came up when I was looking up dog tape
1: (laughs) (laughs) But there were about seven loops that Linda had made before Deep Throat um, these, these were short sex films, uh, probably like 10 minutes or 20 minutes or something like that. And uh, about two after, and then Deep Throat itself being her entire library of hardcore sex work. Apparently, one of the early loops that she did included her having sex with a
0: dog the German Shepherd. Okay. Uh, it's called Dogorama. I've okay. learned a lot in the past couple of minutes. It's actually on IMDB. Really? Yes. Uh I clicked the first link I found, because it's a Linda Lovelace Dog uh from Luxure TV, which is I probably got a virus from clicking on it. Excellent. I didn't see that. There was a bunch of other videos that I weren't was not going to click on.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: Uh IMDB's consensus is, is not worth the effort to track down.
1: Um I so so, so you've that, seen
0: it, is what you're trying to say. No. Okay.
1: So that that's a whole thing, but you know, in the '70s, she talked very positively about her porn career. It gave her like instant superstardom. But uh, in the '80s, things changed a bit. In the '80s, Linda Lovelace was co-opted uh, by a feminist group who was uh, making a stand against pornography. And they used uh, Linda Lovelace as the poster girl of how people in pornography are abused. The reality of the situation is a bit more complicated than that. At the end of the day, it's certain that Linda Lovelace was abused by Truck Trainer, who uh, got her into all of this.
0: Yes. Um,
1: However... There is a, a bit of uh, kind of contention about other things. During the period working with the feminist groups, Linda Lovelace talked about basically how the porn industry had conspired against her and was complicit in uh, her abuse from her husband, Chuck Trainer. In later years, it seemed that she kind of backed off that idea as much. But this came after basically the feminist groups that had been uh, giving her so much support at some point in the 80s -hmm. just basically turned their backs on her. Uh, At the end of her life, she said that the feminist groups had used her just as much as the people in the porn industry had used her. Uh, So she was not happy with them. I talked about how there was an episode of the Rialto Report that included both Gerard Damiano Jr. and uh, Eric Danville, who wrote uh, Linda Lovelace's late-life biography. Eric Danville interviewed Linda towards the end of her life uh, when putting together the final touches of his biography and Mm -hmm. talked quite a bit about her. She never had anything bad to say about Gerard Damiano or about uh, Harry Reams, uh, who were definitely the focus of various uh, uh, attacks uh, on the legal sense of things. She kind of, in the feminist era, went out against the porn industry itself and talked about how the people in porn didn't do anything to defend her from Chuck Trainer. She talked about how at some point... And, and I don't know if she meant it to be literal, yeah. uh, but she talked about how she had a gun to her head making porn, hmm. uh, and that doesn't seem to be true for certain.
0: I often feel like when I see some of like the stuff that where like the women are speaking some Eastern European language and forced to do like something really degrading, there's someone with like a Kalashnikov just off screen. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I could definitely believe that. <laughs> Uh, in a sense, you know what I mean?
1: Right. Uh, but in reality, it's probably a little bit more to the effect that, uh, you know, she was under complete control of Chuck yeah, Trainer at like the time. They,
0: like several people call him like a pimp, just outright.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and in listening to a lot of episodes of the Rialto Report, uh, there are multiple people interviewed who talked about Linda Lovelace uh, having come across them. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Eric Edwards talked about having uh, been there when she made the dog tape. Definitely one of the interviewers said it.
0: Oh, um, and, he was listed as one of, on IMDb. He okay. was listed as one of the stars.
1: So it probably was him. But uh, he said that she seemed to be <laughs> into it for what it's worth. Um, but it's definitely something she had some shame about later in life and yeah. nothing else.
0: Gerard but, Damiano kind of makes a similar thing. like He couldn't figure out exactly like what she got out of that relationship with Chuck, right. basically. Um,
1: but, yeah, I mean, she was under abuse <laughs> of Chuck Traynor. Um, Gerard Damiano Jr., in his interview on the Rialto Report, talks about how uh, he was in Florida when deep throw was being made as a child uh, not on scene during hardcore sure sex shooting, but not like he was the, around.
0: Not like the child of Joyce James on the set of Driller.
1: <laughs> right. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he talked about how one day after shooting was done, um, they could hear Chuck and Linda in, a, in some sort of altercation in another yeah. room. And they were in hotel rooms that were connected by doorways. And eventually, the crew members busted down the door and got Chuck off of Linda. Sure. Who was apparently beating the shit out of her or something. Right. So, that doesn't seem to be true that the entire porn industry was conspired against her and complicit with Chuck Trainer's abuse of her. Right. Uh, but there's definitely a very harrowing story to be told about Linda and the uh, various things that she went through. Uh, due to
0: Chuck, I've definitely I've got some Chuck Trainer quotes here from the other Hollywood. Yes, um, Chuck Trainer. Did I beat her up? Well, yeah. I wouldn't bullshit anybody. You know, I'm not goody two shoes or Joe innocent. I've always tried to deal with people two ways. I talk to them as long as I think I can talk to them, and then I hit them. With Linda, if she and I got into a hassle, it wouldn't be beneath me to backhand her, or bend her over my knee and beat her ass. She dug it, you know. Uh, and then another, when Jerry used to have trouble with Linda, I'd say, you tell her you'll beat her ass or something if she doesn't do so-and-so. So. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, that's from him. So that's not like, he can't really spin that in any particular way that right. makes him look good. Oh, boy. Yeah, um, I got one more. Let me, let me find that quote. Where's it at? I lost it. Uh, I need some bookmarks. I need some make-it-a-hobbit bookmarks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my business was creating a superstar. And you don't create a superstar by namby-pamby and kiss-assing around and giving her roses. It just don't work, you know? You're fighting a real strong uphill battle. So did Linda and I have fights on the set? Yeah, we did have a disagreement. A pretty strong disagreement. She was telling me she didn't want to do scenes that day. She had a headache or a backache or an assache or something. Oh boy! Yeah, he's a uh, he's awful. Uh, they should put him to death if he has not died yet.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, he is absolutely the worst. So, so yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot to uh, digest here uh, when it comes to Linda Lovelace and her uh, legacy here. She essentially said one thing in the 70s said another thing in the 80s and then later in her life it became something in between and sure. that is probably close to the truth yeah. something in between but um, one thing that's for sure is that that dickhead chuck trainer is a real dickhead and fuck him
0: yeah that's pretty much for the conclusion i came to
1: yes so um but yeah that's uh that's The legacy of Deep Throat in a nutshell, but because it became such a substantial hit and such uh, an important piece of porn history, it influenced uh, perhaps, you know, the vast majority of porn films that came afterwards. And uh, we talked a lot. uh, I know in a recent episode, I talked about how when I think about porn films, I think about films made before and made after Deep Throat and kind of hold films made before Deep Throat to a different standard because they're kind of figuring out how to make a porn film. Um, Deep Throat is definitely a turning point in pornography. It's very put together. It's, it's got a lot of effort put into it. You know, it's got good cinematography, good music. You could tell the people that were making it had some level of film competency uh, and that comes through in the final product in a way that uh, anything that I've seen made beforehand didn't quite have uh, to that level. So um, we, as we kind of go into this, uh, do you want to give your thoughts on Deep Throat as a film?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I had some trepidation going into this film just because it was kind of one of those things that's been built up as, you know, we spent the last hour talking about it. So, you know, I was a little worried it wouldn't live up to the height, uh, the, the precedent that it had seemed to set. But, um, I would say most of those fears were allayed, especially by the time you got around to Linda's roommate saying, you mind if I smoke while you eat? Um, from that point on, I knew it was in good hands. Right. It's a humorous, erotic romp.
1: Yes, indeed Uh, it is.
0: (laughs) And I think, you know, still like most of the jokes that are in it still work today. Yeah. I think, uh. Damiano did a great job of, uh, making sure the sex, like Nora Ephron seems to not enjoy the sex at all. I don't <laughs> quite know where she was coming from, but you know, I thought it was a, it was pretty erotic, you know, yeah. still, even today, uh, pretty well shot. Uh, yeah. I liked his use of, um, inner cuts and everything when she finally, uh, has her, uh, orgasm.
1: Yeah, the uh, stock footage and all that. Yeah, you know, the
0: stock footage, the bells and everything. So you know, I thought the the editing was on point. You know, I thought the people were—they'd be the kind of people you'd meet in Florida. I felt like, <laughs> so I felt that was very realistic. Um, obviously, the soundtrack, as we've talked about several times, is excellent. Yes. Um, it seems to be like all original music created for it, which even you know nowadays you usually get a lot of songs that have been pre-written for things like uh just using like pop band songs or walking on sunshine for the <laughs> four thousandth goddamn time so you know i like i've said before it's uh it's a real jump it's a great leap forward in the yeah. history of pornography in terms of production quality like you talk about ultra lust or uh or uh, active confession right which are Comparatively primitive compared to uh, this. Uh, the Geek. The Geek, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> they spent most of that movie just walking around. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I could see why this one kind of became a hit. Right. Especially compared to some of the other stuff. Uh, I think the humor element really adds to. A lot of that, because um, it kind of releases some of the tension from you watching a sex film with like an audience full of other people.
1: I definitely appreciate that. Damiano saw her skill, so to speak, and was able to spin it into this narrative. Yeah, and he came up with the idea of her having her clitoris in her throat. it's yes. excellent.
0: Yeah, it's just absolutely bad shit. Um, the plot's pretty bare, but. Like each incident each individual incident is pretty entertaining on its own, so you don't really focus too much on that. Right. Uh I think And the plot's
1: enough to keep it driving forward. Yeah,
0: and I think Linda and Harry Reams have really good chemistry together. Yeah. Um Harry Reams stole the show and refused to bring it back. (laughs) Um I'm gonna give Deep Throat uh four out of five. Excellent. Yes. Uh what say you, good boss?
1: I agree. Uh,
0: it, it so has, succinct.
1: Yes. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's great stuff. Uh, you know, as you said, I can definitely see why this became the one that everybody latched on to. Uh, compared to other stuff at the time, it's definitely a step above um, the humor, the explicit sex of all different types of weird kinky stuff going on here. Uh, it's definitely something that we saw again in the devil and miss jones it was uh, certainly a different approach in the devil and miss jones as it's more uh, existential (laughs) and uh, less humorous although it has humorous moments but you know and of course we see a lot of evolution uh, in damiano's filmmaking and approach in uh, the devil and miss jones but In Deep Throat, we see a lot of that foundation already laid, and you can't really, uh, and I wouldn't underestimate his filmmaking just based off of this, because there's a lot of great stuff here. Um, But, you know, it's a fun romp. It's only an hour long again, so the pacing's great. And while you could make an argument that the story isn't very uh, deep, deeper than deep, your throat? It's not um it's not that deep but it's definitely serviceable uh as a means to an end uh and it's certainly much better than a lot of modern porn films that you know are like two and a half hours long and they have less uh narrative scenes than deep throat does as an hour long that's crammed full of sex anyway Not only is this an important piece in the history of pornography, but it's a pretty damn good porn film as well. So uh, I would definitely recommend seeing it, and uh, I'm going to give it four stars as well. Uh, it's the same rating that we gave The Devil and Miss Jones uh, both as well. Uh, and oh, I think yeah. that that's probably about right. Sure. Because uh, there's things that this film does better than Miss Jones, and there's things that Miss Jones does better than this film. But I are mean, uh, just
0: different films at the end of the day. They're just different, different films. tone.
1: Yeah. It's, it's hard to compare them, but they're both very confident in what they're trying to do, and that's what's important. You know, It's, uh, it's a great film. Good time to watch, uh, you know, bring your grandma,
0: go see Deep Throat. Grandma, Your grandma might have actually already seen it. <laughs> I guess so. Spiro Agnew saw it, your grandma probably did. Yeah,
1: your grandma and Spiro Agnew went to 42nd Street in a limo. Uh, with a case of beer. With uh, a case of beer along, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who brought the case of beer?
0: Uh... Ed McMahon.
1: Oh yeah, Ed McMahon brought the case of beer. What a what a great guy. Yeah, and he was just like, "Hey, come see this fuck film." Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a great time, and uh, as as an important piece of porn history, um, I would say that your sense of urgency to watch it should be higher than my four star rating. Go ahead and see it. It's an important piece of porn history. If you're going to watch porno, see it. But yeah, that is uh, Deep Throat. Uh, did you have any last words to say about Deep Throat?
0: It's a perino. It's a piranha and a rhino.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Uh, watch out for those perinos. They will fuck you up.
0: Yeah. They'll break your kneecaps if nothing else.
1: Yes, if nothing else. So... Uh, I'll praise the teacher, uh, we are happy that you didn't end up in jail for five years in the 70s, uh, and you're looking down on us, uh, with a big smile on your face and a mustache on your lip, and, uh, you know, granting us sh- your power as we go through our lives and, uh, commit various acts of depravity, so, uh, I'll hail the teacher.
0: Hail the teacher.
1: Hail the teacher.
0: Hail the teacher. Deep throat, deeper and deep Lord, guide us and bless us on the path to the porno realm. Uh,
1: so remember to follow us at, on Instagram and Twitter at Raincoat Report. Uh, on Facebook, Raincoat Report as well. Uh, Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Tell other people to listen to it. We're uh, building our listenership. Uh, Go back and listen to that Devil and Miss Jones episode that you definitely didn't listen to. You know, as always, we want to thank you guys for listening. uh, And we'll invite you once again to help us keep 42nd Street alive. And uh, when you're on 42nd Street at that theater that Sammy Davis Jr. bought out and uh, Ed McMahon's Tanking a case of beer on his own and uh, trying to talk vagrants into coming into the theater and watching a fuck film. Uh, when all of that's going on, don't forget your raincoat.
0: <laughs> Goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.